Oh, I'm on. Why? Did you start the recording on here? No. Did I? Probably. We'll oh, you're in the same state of mind I am. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So here we are. <laughs> I'm in Bloomington, you're in Indy. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of lonely here in the podcast dungeon. I'm not gonna lie. Um, yeah, but I've been so fucking busy though. I'm never yeah, this you have. busy. You've been <laughs> recording like crazy. Yes. yes. So we had two episodes go up this week. Um, Steve Gonzalez was very excited to have him on because he's so sweet, so good to us as yeah, absolutely, Kitsy and Clayton. Um, all the layers. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to it or not, but he has Ed and Lorraine Warren ties. It's holy shit. <laughs> now we know. Yeah, exactly. I look. I'm, I'm sitting there recording. I'm like, the fuck? How did I never know this? <laughs> but if you guys missed it, I'm not giving any spoilers. Um, it's up. It'll be out of so. It it is up now. As you're listening to this, it'll be the episode right before this one and this week ghost nation premiered with a two hour episode that we're recording on tuesday and it played on wednesday so we haven't seen it yet but i'm sure it's going to be amazing and steve has a paranormal documentary coming out that i got sneak peek access to i bet so good so good i love it so much but hey guys you're listening to oddity files the podcast. The podcast. I'm Kitsy Duncan. <laughs> and I'm Clayton Abbott. And we'll get there. We'll get there with this number four not in the same room. So it's it's going. It's going good. Damn it. Um, also, this week we had uh, an episode go up with Ann Wheaton. Mm-hmm. If you're not familiar with her, um, she is the lovely, amazing wife of Will Wheaton. Um, the last Galaxy Con we were at, I saw Will and I asked him if he had a paranormal story, and he's like, "Well, why don't you talk to Anne?" <laughs> <laughs> and it was great, and she was a a Bigfoot hunter when she was a kid, and totally all the good times, all the feels. So definitely, you guys check those out if you haven't. Um, I'm having a lot of fun with it, and it's keeping me a little too busy at this point in time. <laughs> But I am so happy to do that. I'm still working on getting other people on the show. I have a a little bit. I did record uh, with the the episode hasn't aired yet. Um, a guy I met via Instagram, um, a girl I know. Her name is Z. She has a podcast. It's called Ghost and Hose. H a u x e s. And she was following him on Instagram and sharing his stuff. And his name is Oregon Woodwitch. And I had him on. And he does readings on homes remotely. Wow. Yeah. I I sent him a picture of my home and he gave me a reading. And there are two spirits here. I don't know either one of them. So maybe there's four. Definitely check out Oregon Woodwitch on Instagram. He went on to tell me there's a male here, which I 
know nothing about until I read the email. And he's not, he didn't die here. He didn't follow me here, but he died close to here in possibly a drowning. He go, And he said, I didn't tell him anything about what's going on here. He's like, you hear footsteps when you're on, on the main floor all the time. And here's who it is. And I'm like, holy shit, I hear footsteps all the time. <laughs> but I have no idea who this guy is who might have possibly drowned on close to my land. But he's here because he likes it here. And he just goes on doing his own little thing. That's So crazy. that's my something spooky. <laughs> Did you tell Chris? No, absolutely not. <laughs> Thank God he doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> Guys, have you heard of diedinhouse.com? This is pretty much the coolest thing ever. Ever feel like somebody's watching you in your house and you don't know why and you're the only one in the house? Did you know real estate brokers are not obliged to tell you if someone died in the house unless you ask? Yep, I found that one out the hard way. I mean, it's certainly not a checkbox on a Zillow site, now is it? So are you looking at houses and don't want to move into a murder house? I mean, I do, but I understand that it's not for everyone. Well, now you can find out who died in your house or any house for that matter, and usually what the cause of death was as well. And we have a way for you to save money when you do. Of course we do. Check out diedinhouse.com. Save 10% by using promo code oddityfiles, one word, no spaces, before buying or renting a home. Get informed about everything. Use diedinhouse.com to learn the house history. Again, head to diedinhouse.com and enter promo code OddityFiles, one word, at checkout, and you'll save 10%. So what about you? What's going on with you? What's new? What's happening? Same old, same old. Nothing really. I was, I had like just sat down in the living room to do something, and right as I sat on the couch, the Xbox turns on. Have you saged again since the first time? No. No? But like it. And like it used to happen at the old house, it just only happens when you, like, it makes sure that you know that it's happening. It's not like we wake up yeah. one morning, we're like, oh, the Xbox is on. It's always like, whether you're looking at it or walking by and hear it, it's never like, if we go on a run and come back and it's on, it's like, nope. Yeah. It's only when we are, like, near it. I don't know. Uh, maybe you should reach out to Tiffany. True. And what's... What's weird because we came to con- the conclusion at the old house that it was the garage door opener doing it because mm-hmm. all over the internet, people were like, yep, it sets mine off all the time. But the house on either side of us, across the street and behind us, none of us have like remote garage doors. Oh. Um, so that kind of like knocks out that theory. So you did your research and, and that's good. Yeah. So you've debunked just... that it's not a garage door this time. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I I'm... wish I could do remote home readings. <laughs> just send him a picture of the Xbox. <laughs> yeah. Who's haunting the Xbox? I must know now. <laughs> well, that's insane. So it, it stopped for a minute after you did your smudging. Yeah. Well, after you did your smudge bomb. Mm-hmm. Um. But did you go through the house saying... Yeah, I know, did the thing. Exit. Did you open a window? Yep. Two. Shit. 
I got nothing then. I know. But I was like, it's weird that the Xbox was plugged in for almost a month. A little over a month before James got home. <laughs> and then DJ Jimmy gets home and brings wah, back wah, some ghost of the Caribbean. <laughs> Maybe it's a pirate. <laughs> a pirate ghost. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> Uh, oh shit! I should ship you one of the, the spirit boxes. Nah, hell no. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> a Ouija board? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh shit! I forgot to pull up my paranormal in the news, but I have some. Unless you have some. Nope. But guys, if you are listening, we are a paranormal podcast. We talk about spooky things. We talk about not so spooky things. Curses, urban legends, cryptids, whatever you can think of that just. It's kind of hard to explain. That's what we talk about. We find a story online, research it a little bit, and then tell our story to each other. And we do that every week. Every week. Damn it. And we like it. You guys can find us on all the socials at Oddity Files on Twitter and Instagram and uh, just Oddity Files on Facebook. We also have a really cool secret, hidden, not so secret Facebook group called our Facebook I'm in it right now. Oddity Files fan group. That is the legit name. I'm not making shit up. <laughs> but I am looking for paranormal in the news. And apparently I posted it eons ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we had our first live viewing of an episode on our Facebook group. Speaking of all the socials. That went really well. It was fun. I had a lot of fun with it. I did too. Um, people showed up. It was a good time. So I was just worried it was going to be... Me and you, you know, just trying to entertain each other by talking about the episode that we are reliving at this point. Well, and it was cool because basically the entire hour of the episode, we had people commenting, asking us questions about our investigative style, our equipment, uh, that particular location, and just why we felt certain ways. And it was really cool because, I mean, especially when we do live podcasts, we have people that come up and ask us those types of questions, but... Being able to do it almost like a director's cut and like commentating along with it is really cool. It was really cool. The internet will kick in at any minute. Maybe if I blow on it. <sighs> Come on, internet. <sighs> there it goes. Okay, we've got some pictures. No story. If this is a video, I'm going to be so shitty. Okay, here we go. You want to hear some peril in... <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> hey, Clayton, you want to hear some paranormal in the news? Yes. Okay, so ghosts scare Indonesians into social distancing to slow coronavirus spread. And I know we don't normally talk about that thing, but this story was too good not to share. So um, Java residents who flout social distancing rules amid the coronavirus pandemic are being booed by roving enforcers dressed as ghosts, according to a report. What report? We don't know. The mysterious figures have been spotted in the Indonesian village of Kepa, K-E-P-U-H, sure, where they help get people into the spirit of avoiding public places to ward off the deadly bug, Reuters reported. Known as Pokong, the apparitions were wrapped in white sheets with powdered faces and coal-rimmed eyes an Indonesian folklore that represents the trapped souls of the dead. Ooh. Okay. 
But early eff- efforts had the opposite effect as people sought to catch a glimpse of the ghouls. <laughs> so organizers have changed their tactics by launching surprise Pokong patrols using local volunteers. So apparently everybody wanted to go out and have selfies with these fake ghosts, breaking the six-foot rule. So, <laughs> you know, now now they're just popping up whenever they want. But, you know, kudos for thinking out of the box, Indonesia. Agreed. Uh, we'll post a picture of said spirits in Indonesia on our Instagram stories. Just follow us along at Oddity Files on the Instasnap. So there you go. Everything's a fucking struggle for me right now, and I'm fucking over it. Uh, oh, gosh. I know. It's like the world has just hit that point. People are rioting for the stupidest reasons and protesting for the stupidest reasons. And it's like, listen, mentally, we're all there. But just... just Some of us that are holding it in and dare, burying it deep down <laughs> inside our souls. Right. And it'll come out as a complete blow up in about 20 days. I know. In like two years, someone's going to listen to this episode and be like, oh, that was during that time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, they really haven't brought it up yet. It really must have got to her at this point because (laughs) she won't shut up about it. Oh, Uh. shit. Make sure I am recording and I am. I've got stories. I have a story. My turn-ish to go first. I can't tell you what either of us did last week. Whether or not we went first or not is beyond me. I can't tell you what our stories were. Yeah. Yeah. The only reason I know, I think, is because I don't know. No, because that we knew the week stuff before. stuff has been going through my brain. I know, and I can't shut it off. I need to drink more. <laughs> uh. Okay. I, I am 97% sure you went first last week. We're going to figure this probably- out. I'll let you. (laughs) Oh, Oh, right. I told the story of the Rougarou, and you told the story of the Egyptian idol thing. Guys, I'm pretty excited to tell you about this new product I'm using. Soul Drops are sacred plant supplements that boost overall wellness by enhancing your mind, body, and spirit. See what I did there? Made with traditional healing plants, this special microdosing option empowers self-healing and performance optimization. Soul Drops allow you to power up physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Again, see what I did there? With only a few drops per day, Soul Drops can empower your self-healing and optimization. Now, I'm not kidding. I found Soul Drops on a social media ad, and guys, I'm shocked at the results. I'm not even kidding. I'm not making this up. I am shocked at the results. My moods have leveled out and I'm sleeping better. So Soul Drops is brought to you by renowned shamanic healer and herbalist Vlada Talan. She uses an ancient process to offer all natural, legal, and safe microdosing. Her master plant formulas have transformed the lives of thousands of people, including me. So I figured out a way to get you guys Soul Drops at a 10% discount. Are you ready? Head on over to souldrops.net and type in Oddity Files, one word, in the discount code box. I got the Master Trinity set, and I tell you what, this stuff works. So head on over to souldrops.net and remember to type Oddity Files, 
again, one word, into the coupon code to get your 10% off. And you know what? You can just thank me later. The cursed idol that walks like an Egyptian. So yes, you go first. Okay. I'm about to tell you an amazing story that will give new meaning to the word ghost writer. And that story goes a little something like this. As you've heard me say on several occasions, the Victorian era was a time when spiritualism was the latest form of entertainment. People would pay loads of their hard-earned cash to attend seances by celebrity-style mediums of the day. I wish I'd have lived in a time when magicians and spirit mediums were the celebrities of the world. Sounds kind of magical. And in 1901 is when the Ouija board started being mass-produced. This would provide hours of entertainment where people could perform seances in their very own homes. Fast forward to July 1913 in St. Louis, Missouri, in the living room of housewife Pearl Coran. She's mourning the loss of her recently deceased father. Pearl took the loss pretty hard, and her friend Emily Hutchings pays her a visit. Hoping to pull her dear friend out of her depression, she brings a Ouija board. Emily is in the hopes that this might give her friend a chance to talk with her father again and hopefully bring her some closure and pull her out of her funk, if you will. For those of you who don't know what a Ouija board is, are you living under a rock? But just <laughs> in case, we've got a new listener who's like, what's a Ouija board? Kidding, not really. But here's the skating on Ouija boards. They're a board game style board with letters, numbers, a yes, and a no all printed onto the board. You place hands very lightly on a pointing tool called a planchette, and it's said that spirits can channel this tool and spell out any answers the players may have for those on the other side. Back then, the game didn't have the stigma it does today, thanks to the movie The Exorcist. Pearl and Emily set things up in Pearl's living room to try to reach out to Pearl's recently deceased father. It says descaled. I caught it deceased father (laughs) before they can even get started the planchette begins to move in pearl's hand alone pearl's very excited she gets to speak with her dad again and plays along the pointer begins to furiously spell out before any questions were asked and here's what it said many moons ago i lived again i come patience worth is my name the women are shocked But don't disturb the planchette. Patience Worth carries on and spells out, Wait, I would like to speak with thee. If thou shalt live, then so shall I. I make my bread at my hearth, good friends. Let us be merry. The time for work is past. Let the tabby drowse and blink her wisdom to the fire log. I have no idea what that's supposed to mean. How long did it take to spell all that shit out? like to see a Ouija board session that's done in like all urban dictionary words I think that would be fun and then you have to like (laughs) decipher it but yes so she's she's wordy shall we say Mm -hmm. when asked when and where she lived the dates 1649 through 94 were given and patients told the woman that her home was across the sea patients also went on to say that she had stories to tell Pearl and she would like them published Pearl wasn't sure what to do, but she was having fun and decided, "Eh, I ain't got time on my hands. I'm a mousy housewife in St. Louis. I got nothing else to do. 
Over time, Pearl began to have visions along with the messages given via the Ouija board. Pearl's husband, John, would jot down the messages along with the visions that Pearl was having. At least her husband gets involved in the paranormal shit. With John taking notes and Pearl helming the planchette, if you will, they both soon realize that Patience is a poet and they just jot down every single letter. John takes his notes and puts the poetry into manuscripts. As it would, word starts to spread in the neighborhood of Pearl's conversations with the now dead Patience Worth. And neighbors start flocking to the Quran residence to see with their own eyes the beautiful poetry seemingly being told from the afterlife. So Pearl, not wanting to turn anyone away, begins to host bi-weekly communication sessions with patients and invites friends and family to witness all that is taking place. Finding out more and more about patients, Pearl relays that she was born and raised in England and came to America in the late 17th century only to be murdered by Native Americans. Oh. Sucks. Big time. Um, Patience was described by Mrs. Coran as, and I quote, probably about 30 years. Her hair was dark red, mahogany. Her eyes were brown, large and deep. Her mouth firm and set, as though repressing strong feelings. Well, yeah, she was murdered. Just saying. Her hair had been disarranged by her cap and was in big, glossy, soft waves. Very descriptive. As these sessions go on, more and more people are wanting to be a part of it all. One day, St. Louis journalist Casper Yost comes to write about his findings in the St. Louis Globe. Yost is blown away, and he starts writing all kinds of stories of Pearl and Patience in the very popular newspaper, commenting on the visual poems told by Patience Worth and retold by Pearl. Pearl's popularity grows, and the poems Patience tells so eloquently begin being printed in the newspaper as well. Five of the poems are listed as the best in the nation for that year. Not long after that, Patience Worth publishes her first novel called The Sorry Tale, a story set in biblical times. I mean, does Pearl ever get to sleep, or is... No kidding. That's a lot. I'm sure once the visions started coming, it got much easier. <laughs> but spelling all that shit out. That's my or maybe thing. She was like, like, <laughs> yeah. Maybe she was just guessing what the next word was going to be. But when did she know when to stop? I don't know. <laughs> maybe. I mean, it's like the telegram name. Stop. Stop. No, I mean, really stop this time. We're done today. I'm tired. I need a ghost nap. At this point, there's no more spelling of words on the Ouija board, but Pearl claims she begins to anticipate, oh, look, I answered my own question, what the Ouija board was going to spell. And by 1919, the pointer would just move aimlessly about the board. So she'd be at the board and the planchette would be moving and she'd just get these visions. And she would explain those visions to her husband. Pearl describes her visions like this. She says, quote, I'm like a child with a magic picture book. Once I look upon it, all I have to do is watch its pages open before me and reveal in their beauty and variety and novelty. When the poems come, there also appear before my eyes images of each successive symbol as the words are given to me. When the stories come, the seam, nope. When the stories come, the scenes become panoramic, 
with the characters moving and acting their parts, even speaking in converse. The picture is not confined to the point narrated, but it takes in everything else within the circle of vision at the time. If people talk a foreign language, as in the sorry tale, tell, tale, I hear the talk, but over and above is the voice of patience either interpreting or giving me the part she wishes to use as a story. So it's like, it's a dubbed movie. Like you're seeing the mouse moving, but you're hearing the words you need to hear, which I thought was really cool and super descriptive. So the sorry tale goes on to be a bestseller. The New York Times said about it, a literary gift created by a master hand. (laughs) Insane, right? Not bad for a mousy house rife, right? You go, girl. The Patience Pearl team go on to win literary awards and more books come out as well. Six books total and several short stories as well. But as with accomplishment comes the haters. Pearl's success and most of her rise to fame was due to the fact that she wasn't writing the stories. I mean, that's neat. I want to read a book that this story was given to this woman by a ghost. I mean, I'm down for it. Spiritual was still a big deal in these days, and the naysayers are calling bullshit. They're saying that it's all a bunch of malarkey, that Pearl's writing the poems and the stories are tying a big red paranormal bow around it. So the haters start to dig into Pearl's past. They find out that Pearl dropped out of school when she was only 14 due to learning disabilities and wouldn't have the knowledge to write such beautifully written stories. Some even hit up her mental state, and one person claimed that she may have multiple personalities. Still, I'd read a book by somebody's other personality, just putting it out there. Patricia. However, friends claim when she channels patience, Pearl's personality remains exactly the same. So while she has her cynics, she also has so many others who believe her for her word, one of those being journalist Casper Yost, remember him, who actually wrote the foreword to one of her books. Yost took it upon himself to prove everything is, is as it seems He'd witnessed it so many times and was literally her biggest cheerleader at this point. This dude travels to England to where Patience Worth says she is from. Pearl had described her visions that Patience had shown her to Yost and several other of the other visions were her childhood home in Dorset, England. So she described this place she had never been in her life. So Yost goes over to Dorset there's no paper trail leading to patients worth anywhere. But I mean, this was the early 1900s and patients was allegedly in the 1600s. I mean, are there records at that point? It's not like you can just Google that shit. Right. The descriptive scenery translated through Pearl was identical to Dorset. Pearl, having never traveled outside of the Midwest, let alone the United States, would have no idea what Dorset, England looked like. And Yost is convinced that Pearl isn't blowing smoke and that the spirit of Patience Worth is real. Oh. So, I mean, yeah, you don't have the internet to see what it looks like. There's not really movies at that point, but there's books. Mm -hmm. No pictures, maybe some paintings. I don't know. Still, he is convinced. 
Over time, the books and poetry and the celebrity of Pearl Curran fade. But Pearl claimed she had contact with Patience until the day she died. As a matter of fact, Patience saw Pearl's unexpected death coming and let her know. Pearl left the Midwest after her husband died, and after two other failed marriages, Pearl heads to California in 1930 to live with her old friend, Mrs. Alexander Bailey Dotsie Smith. It's quite a name. Quite a name. She goes by Dotsie. Yeah. In the Los Angeles area. Dotsie and Pearl would communicate together with Patience until November 25th, 1937, when she gave her final communication. Pearl had apparently received a prior communication from Patience that she, Pearl, was going to die. As Pearl told Dotsie Smith, this is from Dotsie, Oh, Dotsie, Patience has just shown me the end of the road, and you will have to carry on as best you can without me. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Even though Pearl had not been in ill health, she developed pneumonia late in November and died that December 3rd. 1937. Whoa. Crazy. So my wingmen for this story, because I remembered this week, are the Google, the Wikipedia, publicdomainreview.org, and Mysteries at the Museum on the Travel Channel. Thanks, Don. Winky face emoji. <laughs> insane, right? That is absolutely insane. And we're... I just... It's another one of those things. It's like, how have we not come across that before i know it's it's absolutely nuts i'd seen other mysteries at the museum about somebody else who tried to write a book through a ouija board but it kind of was debunked in the end i don't feel like this one was no i mean it's Mm -hmm. actually quite a cliffhanger (laughs) Mm -hmm. but if you know if if she's guessing her death like a month before it happens exactly i'm i'm gonna go with plausible Plausible. In the old Mythbusters ways, yeah. <laughs> uh, so what you got going on this week? Yeah, so there are a lot of legends of cursed items and treasures and things that we've talked about a lot um, that bring strange occurrences or just like terrifying happenings. Um, but not all of these date back to Egyptian times or something like that. Yeah. Actually, a contemporary painting is perhaps one of the most chilling of these known as the anguished man have you heard of this i have not bring it the painting's current owner sean robinson is convinced the morbid piece of artwork is haunted by its creator the phrase of putting one's soul into their work was never (laughs) more appropriate than when it comes to this as we'll find out for unknown reasons the artist would mutilate himself through the painting's creation Oh, shit. This bizarre and shocking background makes for some more than interesting theories. So, indeed, if there's any truth about this account, and this particularly gritty piece of artwork does contain the soul of the creator or some other entity, then it would seem appropriate for further and just, like, there's more to the story. Like, something had to have happened. So, basically, the artist behind the English man remains a mystery for the most part as does the actual age of the painting. According to the owner, Robinson, the strange piece of art came into the family from his grandmother in 1985. She didn't place it on the wall. Instead, she kept it out of sight in the attic 
and would tell strange tales about it to the family. Okay, Grandma. Right. According to the legend, (laughs) the painting contained blood of the artist within the paint and in turn was haunted by this tortured soul of the person that created it. Well, yeah. Even more chilling, the artist apparently committed suicide as soon as he was done, like, finally done (gasps) with the painting. Further still, according to Robinson, his grandmother would state quite seriously that screams of pain would clearly often be heard from the attic. Strange, then, that Robinson would... Why does she have this? (laughs) Right. But even more strange is like, why would he want it? Yeah. So, when his grandmother passed in 1999, the painting was his to take. According to him, he was one um, of the few close family members with his grandmother that had that she actually let see the painting. Because most of the time, she's like, it's up in the attic. I'm the only one that knows about it. And I'm just um, going to talk about it all the time. All the time. Despite its background... The current owner, Robinson, he he wanted it for something. And he did indeed take it with him to his home in Maryport, England. And that decision would have a lot of lasting effects and consequences. <laughs> so it didn't take long for strange and just odd incidents to begin happening in his home following the painting's arrival. A sudden feeling of dread would come over the home's occupants, as would nausea and dizziness. This was something also experienced by the many paranormal investigators that he would have to his home. Oh, he would. So it got so weird that he was like, we need somebody to look at this. He would state that for all his interest in the painting, he simply didn't believe in legends or ghosts or curses or any of that. So it was just like, he wanted it because he liked it. Um, He claimed to be a, a horror fan and liked the painting's background story, but he didn't buy all... So he's a know. weirdo like us. Right. Or me, because I'm the only one that would take that painting. (laughs) His wife, however, didn't share his enthusiasm. In fact, she would insist that they place the painting in their cellar. It would remain there until 2010. So they got it in 99. And so it remained there until 2010, when on an impulse, Robinson would retrieve it and place it on the wall in the family's spare room. It was at this point that the apparent influence of the English man would truly begin. So according to him, a strange atmosphere, he calls it, begins to take up residence in the family home. Footsteps and creaking noises will be heard almost immediately after the painting went on the wall in the spare room. Much like his grandmother told him, screams and cries of pain would also come out from that room. Oh, wow. Loud bangs would awaken the family in the middle of the night, and bizarre mist would form out of nowhere and then disappear. Yes, please. Right. And this is a quote. He said, this isn't my imagination or noises from outside. This is real. He would recall how most of the incidents would occur between 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. Might that mean something as we know the witching hour and yada, yada, yada. Devil's Um, hour, whatever hour. And so his, the current owner, he's thinking, might that have been like the time that the, the painter committed suicide? Maybe. Who knows? But when he began to regularly witness all this happening, a strange red figure at the bottom of the bed, odd, things began to take a worse turn. After having gotten up early one morning and leaving his wife to sleep, he suddenly heard a scream. He would race upstairs to find her in a total state of distress. 
She would tell him how someone... His wife? Yes. She would tell him how someone climbed into the bed beside her. She believed it to be him, but when she turned over to speak, a horrifying red-faced man was next to her. The man from the painting. What? No. After Robinson's son's Keenan was pushed down the stairs by two hands he felt on his back, he would proceed to put the painting back in the cellar. Oh. Despite the seemingly obvious connection between the painting's presence being on the wall and put away, he would find himself repeatedly thinking about this painting, like, because there's so much unknown about it, like, what is actually happening? He was obsessed, pretty much. So much so that he would remove it back from the cellar and hang it on the wall again. This fucking guy. This time, however, he would try to obtain proof of the painting's haunting nature. So he placed a video camera in the room, and his footage did appear to capture several strange incidents, including the presence of mist, an apparition, the painting falling flat on the floor on its own, all crazy stuff. The video is on YouTube. Are you going to show me? It is on YouTube. Um, oh, yeah, I can. Okay. Um, okay, I'm about to hit it now. But my internet's slow. That's right. Just let me know when it starts playing. <laughs> I've just set the picture of the anguished man back up in the top bedroom. I'm going to record it for approximately eight hours. It's a terrifying painting. Oh, it's terrifying. I would not have taken it. As you can see. 1.8 million views. I'll leave it for approximately eight hours. And I'll leave the light on. Sounds like furniture moving. It does. No. Uh Uh-uh. Doors moving. Never happens for us. My main... So, like, with that clip, I was like, why did he move the camera to include the door? Or was he zoomed in in the first one? Is this the same night? No, that was the next night. That's true. Okay. So he could have just been zoomed in. This is the following night. Okay. That's something falling. Yeah. But he said nothing was disturbed. Weird. It literally sounds like something was thrown almost. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. But yeah, if he w- if he wasn't zoomed out the first that first recording. Right. Why did he zoom out when the door opened? Yes. Hmm. So okay. there are several theories from investigators who've researched the painting as well as his house. Some think it's legit and intelligent Christina. haunting. Speaking of hauntings, go ahead. <laughs> Some researchers believe that is it is an intelligent haunting, essentially a poltergeist that communicate with the living, even if it is by means of some physical attack. Others have voiced opinions that the mysterious artwork somehow opens a portal to another realm or dimension, one that allows the strange menacing presence to interact with the family, and maybe under the crazy circumstances under which the painting was supposedly painted might be a like might cause this like to to be right. the portal um like the anguish his his anguishing energy was transferred onto the canvas yeah, yeah exactly I see what you're saying. and as you can imagine not everyone buys into these theories and some say that the entire thing has been a hoax that robinson has said that like his grandmother never even owned it that he's just made up this entire story um but him and his wife both insist that this is happening and they have they've been very adamant on it and they never like get mixed up in their stories or anything it's all very 
true hmm. and his wife especially being one that's like i want nothing to do with this this has happened um yeah but as of now he has returned it back to the cellar and everything that i can find as long as it's been down there everything has stopped so have you did you find any information about the investigators that came in and what they said no not really and what's what's strange about the painting itself is if you look if you look at like a better picture of it and we'll post it on our instagram story like one in good lighting at like the bottom like the bottom left and right corner i mean it absolutely without a doubt looks like someone painted it with blood it's like so dark like like dried blood smeared on something like it's that color and i don't know if that's like part of the reason that the theory like spiked or started um or if it's legit but the fact that there's just nothing like no history no artist's like name on it yeah anywhere and it's just this painting that grandma had in the attic it's so weird. Yeah, either grandma's batshit crazy, start trying to start shit. Right. Or grandma had somebody locked up in the attic who did this <laughs> painting and she was the one making him bloodlet. <laughs> I right. like that one. But Gra- granny sounded a little batshit. But all she says is that she acquired it in 1985. She doesn't say where or how or anything, but that she acquired it, didn't hang it on a wall and just stuck it in the attic. So weird. So weird. And then in 1999 when she passed away, he got it. Hmm. I wonder if we can get him on the show. <gasps> oh, yes, please. That'll be my project Plus, for the week. <laughs> yes, totally. Find him. Get him on the show. Um, that's an amazing story, though. I like how there's a little bit of conspiracy. Could right. it be or couldn't it be? But everybody's stories are meshing. I mean, Grandma had it hidden. I want to talk to the other people that she actually showed it to. It couldn't have just been this one grandkid. Yeah, no way. But what's also crazy is like, it's almost like you can tell, like, with what happened to the wife, like, the energy or the spirit could tell, or the curse or whatever it is, could tell that she didn't like it and didn't want anything to do with it. And that's why it, like, preyed on her. Yeah. Yeah, when I was done watching that video, it said the very next night, his wife felt it touching her hair in yep. bed and stuff like that. So, I wouldn't just put it in the basement. I would get a storage unit. I can put it in my storage unit with my haunted wheelchair. <laughs> right. And Reggie. But yeah, I wouldn't keep that shit in my house, especially if that was bugging my wife like that. I, I don't know. know. Just me. Very cool story, though. How'd you find that? I was just like, you know what? I haven't done a, a I've wanted to do another cursed object for a while. So I just started Googling away. Yeah. And at least yours wasn't debunked like mine was. <laughs> Jeez. That's amazing. Well, you have a friend yes. that has a story, and he sent a recording to you. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and, and tell uh, people a little bit about him and his ties to Oddity Files. Yeah. So um, one of my good friends, Andres Acosta, he is a professional opera singer. He's performed um, literally, you name it, anywhere he's performed there, um, right out of grad school at IU, and he's just had a really success- successful career so far. Um but he's had a ton of paranormal stuff happen to him in his short life so far. Um, stuff that we haven't even had happen to us. And the crazy, and I didn't know that even prior to not too long ago. I knew that he had an, a certain experience which ties to Oddity Files. But he has so many more experiences. So 
the way that it ties to oddity files if you go back to season two on amazon prime we have an investigation called the longing spirit and we go to a residence in bloomington indiana where um, a group of college kids had been having some weird things happen and hearing things and so yeah we decided you know what let's go investigate it and it turned out to be unbelievable what if you go back and look we captured i would say some of our most compelling visual evidence ever oh my um, god yeah and so yeah i just got a hold of him i was like hey would you mind telling a little bit about your your personal experiences in that house and then he ended up telling all these experiences when he was a kid and uh yeah just take a listen kid i sort of always had I don't know what to call them, I guess, like, I would feel people sometimes, um, as if someone was in the room, or, you know, when you feel like someone's, like, behind you, um, well, I, I felt that a lot as a kid, um, and some things would happen every once in a while, something would turn up, uh, where I knew it wasn't, or something like that, but it wasn't really in, until... I guess I was uh my senior year of high school. I um I was with a group of friends and everyone decided to uh make a Ouija board for some reason. Um we didn't have one but sort of the topic came up and uh we made one and um that was my first time using one and at first I thought it was all sort of a hoax. Um but uh, I actually played by myself um, at some point, and it was very clear that I was not the one that was moving, um, uh, moving the pawn around. Uh, and yeah, I, I, so it got really creepy. Um, I guess whoever we were talking to at some point was impersonating um, the grandparent of someone who passed away and it was all really creepy but it got worse um we we ended up going into um a smaller room and the board was like sort of just going crazy and uh the guy that we were talking to gave us his age um he told us that he died in a car crash and he told us his girlfriend's name and um he told us that his girlfriend was now dating his best friend and we got like birthday make of the car everything and it was really creepy because the next day uh, my brother sent me an article of uh when the guy uh, i guess his obituary um stating how he died and everything and we looked him up on facebook and all the facts were accurate and I just felt super weird about the whole thing and then a couple weeks later I ended up moving um away to college and um a couple nights into uh staying in my new apartment I was showering and I I like suddenly heard someone whisper my name in my ear it was like Andy super loud sort of like threw me for a sec but I was like I'm I'm obviously making that up 
Um, and then I heard even louder, Andy, louder in my ear. And I freaked out. Um, it even happened a third time. And then I was like, okay, I'm done. Um, and, uh, that night, uh, I, I went to sleep, freaked out, woke up the next morning and all four burners were on low in the kitchen. And I thought, I was like, maybe I left them on. Maybe I was, um, cleaning in the kitchen. And then the next day I woke up and all four burners were on high and I freaked out and I like, I fell to the ground. I was like, crying and praying and I honestly thought I was going to die (laughs) it all ended up kind of going away really um up until I moved um to Bloomington actually Bloomington Indiana for school and it was uh when we moved to this house that was sort of across um across from a church uh Early on when I was staying there, I, I remember I got up for, um, to use the bathroom in the middle of the night and, uh, I was walking from my room to, uh, the bathroom that was in the hallway and I don't know where I just, I, I literally got pushed up against the wall and, uh, I heard the same thing. It was the same sort of Andy voice in my ear and it was clearly a woman's voice. Um, and then I, I sort of freaked out, uh, and, uh, just sort of wondered about my business and didn't really have another experience with it, um, for a couple months up until when I was, um, I was looking for my, uh, my weights actually, uh, that we normally kept down in the basement. And, uh, I was asking my roommates, they'd seen them, um, which none of them used. Um, and I was certain that the last time I used them and I kept them down in the basement and I looked all over the house and I went upstairs, which they wouldn't have been upstairs, but they clearly weren't anywhere else. Um, and I checked our spare bedroom and when I turned on the light, the, uh, the weights were in the middle of the room and, uh, that like light immediately blew out, um, which was super creepy. And, uh, I went downstairs and I told my roommate and she sort of didn't believe me. And she walked upstairs and she flipped the switch and the light was working again. So, uh, that house was always very creepy. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it was the same, same person, um, uh, that, sort of did the same Andy thing, uh, but it definitely f- sounded like the same person or something similar. Um, but the pushing up against the wall was definitely something new. That is amazing. So it's, good. It's terrifying. The, the, the Ouija board, first of all, the Ouija board shit, where everything was confirmed by an obituary. Are you fucking kidding me right exactly. now? Why doesn't that ever happen to us? Oh, because you won't let me play with Ouija boards. Just kidding. <laughs> well, and let me tell you, like, he is not someone to, like, make this stuff up or, like, manipulate anything. Like, and that's, you know, like, you know the, who those people are. Yeah. And so, like, hearing this come from him, it's just like, oh, my gosh. And then the fact that it that it died down for a while. 
but then came back in this house is insane. And if you remember in our investigation, when we were upstairs in that room where that happened with the light, that's where we were sitting in a circle and heard like the footsteps on the carpet approaching us. Mm -hmm. That's the same room. And what's funny is I have to go back and watch the episode. I I may have even cut it out because we did the walkthrough with Tiffany and she had me stop in the kitchen for a minute. And when he was talking about those, the burners on his stove, it brought it back to my memory. I mean, it had nothing to do with what was going on in that house, but I wonder if that spirit was there. We didn't communicate with them, but, and that's why Tiffany got that things were being rearranged or things he'd walk in, somebody would walk into the kitchen and things weren't how they were supposed to be. Right. And that totally clicked in my head with those, with the burners on the stove. And I was like, holy shit, she's even more on <laughs> three, four years later than I thought she was. So insane and, and verified yeah. by a psychic medium four years ago. <laughs> just absolutely unreal. And like I said, it was, <laughs> I expected just like a quick, because he had told me the story about how he got up in the middle of the night and felt like he was like pushed against the wall. That's all I was expecting the story to be. <laughs> and yeah. then when he sent me the yeah. recording, I was like, oh my gosh. So great. I'm sure every listener enjoyed that as much as we did because, dang, that was good. Um, You guys have any stories? Send them in. But if you guys have a story and you want to send a recording or if you want to write it out, you can send it to oddityfilescrew at gmail. I did want to give a quick shout out to our Patreon producers of the show. We've got Doug Malden Locke. Ryan Hope and Donald Blanchflower. You guys are amazing. We have keep adding more and more to our Patreon page. I know I've got a couple more videos of Clayton kind of sitting ready to go, and I've got to record some more myself. But if you have the means, check us out. We have everywhere from a dollar a month donation to $100 a month. And um, we appreciate you guys, and we try to give you as much content as we possibly can. We're actually recording this on Zoom right now, and it'll end up on the Patreon page. So, uh, and guys, i so grateful. Yeah, we really are. So we can't grateful. even start to tell you how thankful we are for, for all of you. And if you are a new listener, um, something that we haven't um, talked about yet, we are, have two contest going on right now um we have thank you we have one that runs monthly and that one is our review contest so if you just go to any platform in which you can review either the podcast or the tv show um leave the review screenshot it send it over to the same email oddityfilescrew at gmail.com we do a monthly drawing just for like some fun oddity files swag um and then we'll get a hold of you to get that mailed out to you and then the second one we're doing is social media based. So if you take a selfie, whether it's a picture or a fun video, watching the TV show on Amazon Prime and tag us, then um, yeah, we're also doing a contest for that. So, And bonus points for creativity and pets. Just putting that out there. <laughs> uh, we've got one more week-ish for both contests. So get on there. Uh, we're, we're at almost 75 thousand downloads Clayton holy shit and we couldn't do it without these guys Mm -hmm. really 
So thank you for the shares and the retweets and the telling your grandma about us and that crazy uncle who you know is a weirdo, but he doesn't want to talk about it because your dad's going to judge him. (laughs) But we appreciate you guys and all that you do. Reach out to us on all the socials, and we should be doing another live on Facebook again with another different episode. Yeah. But you have to follow us on Facebook to be alerted, and we'll tell you when that's going to be because right now, we haven't talked about it yet. So follow us. It's facebook.com slash oddity files. But you know what? Weird is the new cool. Goodbye. Ghost on. Yay. They're getting smoother. I agree. It's getting easier. <laughs> oddity files is an independent production. Intro music created by DJ Jimmy. Wah, wah. 2020 artwork created by me, Kitsy Duncan. The opinions expressed in this podcast are ours and ours alone. Well, maybe yours too. If you like the show and would like to support us, visit oddityfiles.com and click on support or go to patreon.com slash oddityfiles. Every little bit helps with both the podcast and the TV show. You can also support us by watching Oddity Files on Amazon Prime. It's free to Prime members and dirt cheap to those who aren't. You can find us on all the social media sites at Oddity Files. Keep spreading the word by sharing, retweeting, and reposting. Join our Oddity Files Facebook group by searching Oddity Files Fan Group and click join. We'll approve you as soon as we can. All weirdos are welcome. Not into that social media stuff? Tell your coworkers, family, even the weird guy who just won't stop talking to you in line for coffee. Oh, and grandma, your grandma will love us. We appreciate each and every one of you. And if it weren't for you, we have no idea what we would do with our lives. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send it on in at oddityfilescrew at gmail.com. Also, send in story ideas, silly, weird memes, or just positive vibes to oddityfilescrew at gmail.com. You can also call in and leave that in a voicemail. Call us at 317-300-6699. To contact us about an appearance, reach out at kitsy at oddityfiles.com. When you have a sec, rate, review, and subscribe. We know it doesn't sound like much, but it really helps us get up there on the podcasting charts. And remember, kids, weird is the new cool. Ghost on. Um, why are you still here? Go on. Get out of here. Turn it off. It's done. Really? I swear. Go. Get. Serious. I'm out of here. <laughs>